welcome to the WNYC and VCs of the Record podcast. I'm Diana Franco, Executive Director of WNYC, the official initiative of the City of New York to empower women entrepreneurs. This day, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month. And to honor the 30% of Latinas who have gone through our program, we are hosting a free online conference on October 29th, fully in Spanish. To find more information about this and our programs, visit our site, we.nyc. Bienvenidas y bienvenidos al podcast de WeNYC, VCs of the Record, donde se revelarán todos los secretos de acceso a capital y fondos de inversión. Yo soy Diana Franco, directora ejecutiva de WeNYC, la iniciativa oficial de la Alcaldía de Nueva York para empoderar a mujeres emprendedoras. Por estos días celebramos el mes de la hispanidad y en honor a nuestras latinas emprendedoras estamos ofreciendo una conferencia virtual totalmente en español y sin costo alguno el 29 de octubre. Para más información de este evento y otros servicios visite nuestro website www.we.nyc. Hey everyone, thanks and welcome back to another season of VCs Off The Record. And actually this season we are doing something really cool in partnership with We NYC. This is going to be the podcast for women entrepreneurs wanting brutally honest insight and info about raising capital to start, operate and grow their business. And to do that, we're going to be partnering with We NYC for a bi-monthly podcast. And today we're going to kick it off with Alex Zacharad, the co-founder of Eight Sleep. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, I'm excited to kick off this, this new format. Awesome. And I just want to start by saying thank you for what you do because sleep is so important. And I just love that you are the one that is championing that for all of us. Um, but let's, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, but let's back up. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and like, how did you become the sleep queen? Yeah, I've read that that's been going around a little bit lately, but um, I wasn't necessarily looking to become the sleep queen. Um, a little bit about me is I, I actually grew up in Tijuana, Mexico, and um, after college, I went to school in, in Mexico as well. And um, I moved to New York City and I, I never really thought about becoming an entrepreneur but um, it just kind of happened to fall into my hands. And the reason is my, my co one of my co-founders and actually my husband, Mateo, um, had been struggling with sleep for many years. And as he started looking into the space and the opportunities to build real solutions for sleep, um, he stumbled upon this, this vision of what is now eight sleep. And this was maybe eight years ago that he started looking into it. And uh, given our complementary skills, um, we decided to go into business together and we have other partners as well. And, and that's how I got into it. And then over time, I just, from the beginning, I fell in love with the mission and, and what we can do with technology. And then over time, I've just come to learn so much about sleep, of course, and, and what it means um, to build a business in the space and to actually offer solutions to all of us that struggle with sleep every day. Yeah. Did you have a tech background? Was that part scary, familiar? I did not. I actually went to school for communication. So I got a communications degree. I, I love everything around marketing and comms and brand. And that's actually what I 
lead at the company at Eight Sleep, um, but it's nothing you know really about hard tech. So when we started the the company and when they invited me to to join them, I had to leave my job. I was working at a fintech company in New York City, and I made the decision to do it because of two things. One is I really trusted my business partners. I was very honest with them, and I told them, "Well, I've never built a tech startup. I don't know precisely how that works, but if you believe in me and the skills and the short experience that I do have so far, then I'm in." Right. And the second is I really believed in the mission. So that was very important for me because you hear these stories about how hard it is to build a business. Um, my dad was actually an entrepreneur. He had a small business back in Tijuana. So I saw what it was like him and the ups and downs. And so I knew that it was going to be hard. So I really needed to love why we were doing it. What was the purpose of all of this? Yeah. Now you said your dad was an entrepreneur and that it was hard. Did that not make you want to run to the safety of corporate America and nine to five? <laughs> like what made you say, I'm going to go do something that's hard as hell too? You know that when I was growing up and um, my dad had his business and my mom in a way had it too, because she, she was, she's a physician and she had her private practice. Um, I, it's interesting that entrepreneurship and its ups and downs were never spoken about in like a negative sense. So there were never any sort of negative connotations into maybe when my dad's business actually went out of business, like basically uh, he couldn't sustain it anymore, right? There was never this negativity around it. And I think that that is a big plus. And I thank my parents for it because um, I it wasn't scary. You know, I wasn't necessarily scared about the idea. It was just real. They were honest. Like it's, it's nothing that was hidden. Like we knew what it was like, but I always saw my parents supporting each other when things were going good and they were not going as well. Um, so the fact that I'm able to build this business now with my husband and that as a family, we're all in, it was helpful that I grew up in an environment where the, the family was supportive was what the parents were going through. Right. Because in the end it's, it's hard even hard to be an entrepreneur. It's very hard to then be married to one as well. Um, so it didn't, didn't scare me, but I honestly never thought that I would become one. It wasn't what I dreamed of. I did dream of working in media and, or having a bigger job or, you know, like that's what I was always thinking I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. You said something really profound in there. Um, I mean, it all is, <laughs> but there was something in there that you said about coming from and seeing other entrepreneurs around you. And I just think that's so powerful um, because so many times for us as Black and Latinx women, we don't always see um, and have role models that are entrepreneurs. And so I love that you're not only building a business, but you're actually taking time for things like this, right? Like being on this podcast and sharing what that journey is like. Um, and you're also a mentor with We NYC. And We NYC, Women Entrepreneurs of New York City, is an official initiative of the city of New York, and they are there for you. They are there to support women entrepreneurs. They provide free virtual events, mentorship, workshops, legal assistance, capital access. So if you're not working with them, I suggest after this podcast, go and check them out. Sign up for all of their great programming. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about some of that that's coming up later, but it's your best resource. We NYC is going to be your best friend. Tap into it. And you might even get a chance to get to know Alex because you're a mentor through the program. Yeah, I've been with the program for quite a while now. And honestly, it was it was kind of a moment of full circle for me because 
I always wanted to live in New York when I was growing up. I think when I used to watch the movies and I'm like, I, I love New York and I didn't get to visit it until I was much older and I was in college. And then I'm like, okay, I really want to live here. And then when I moved here, like I just have gotten so much out of the city. This is where I really became a professional. And so when they invited me to be a part of the program for me, it's not even about just giving back my time, but it's everything that I can continue to learn about what is really happening in entrepreneurship in the city, right? Because what I see is a really small percentage in the tech world. There's so much happening. There's so many amazing people and amazing women who are building businesses in the city uh, that are in completely different categories than where I spend my time. And it's so refreshing. It's so humbling to see it. It's so refreshing. And so I've had the chance to do multiple different sorts of sessions and events with WeNYC. And the, the most um, impactful thing for me has been to interact with amazing, smart women who are in completely different spaces. They have restaurants, they have jewelry stores, they have their consulting practices who are so driven, if not sometimes even more driven than a lot of the people I meet in the tech startups who have raised millions of dollars um, and so, who are so committed to that passion that drives their business um, that when I leave those sessions, I'm always so inspired. I'm like, okay, now I can bring all this energy back into what I'm doing day to day. Yeah, no, I definitely, my energy and happiness and joy comes from We NYC for sure. Um, tell me this, do you support those women in terms of like what you buy, where you eat, where you shop? Are you intentional in that way? I'm pretty intentional. I mean, for me, obviously in, in my background, I consider myself a very fortunate person. I grew up middle class in Mexico, but I come from a place of immense inequality and access to opportunities. I saw that growing up in my own country. Um, and so when I, what I get to see now, even in the tech space, right, where it's like, there's a few of us, there's a few of us Latinas in the space, a few women um, that get to do what we do every day. And so I do think a lot about um, who, when I have the option, right, and I'm making that purchase decision, who am I deciding to back? Uh, and sometimes it may cost a little more, but when you're building business, you know why it costs more. And you know that it's worth to pay a little more because you're contributing to someone's pocket instead of maybe buying it off of a big e-commerce site. Like it makes a difference for that entrepreneur. But the other thing that I became really intentional about is uh, trying to get involved with opportunities to invest in female founders. So there's the mentorship part of what happens with WNYC, but then also partnered um, as a scout with a small fund of a friend, um, Sarah Coons, who, who is a, a, a black female VC, you know, and she raised a small fund and, and she, exactly, and she invited me to be a scout. And I said, yes, of course, like, this is so awesome. It's so aligned to, to my personal values. And I focus on investing on, on female founders there. And that's really exciting as well. That's amazing. Um, we are going to uh, have Sarah on at some point. She doesn't know it, but uh, <laughs> <You> <laughs> she's going to be on the show at some point. No, because we feel, you know, it's VCs off the record. And so I really want um, our listeners to be able to get to know other venture capitalists who are investing in them. Yeah. So um, we have her in our sight lines. Um, at some point, we'll get her on the show. The investing that you talked about is so important. And I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that because I think too often there's this sense of like, when I make it, then I can do that. And I kind of feel like we have to just keep in the present and really sort of in the now and know that we have ways that we can invest, whether it be buying, whether it be making yeah. an introduction, whether it be retweeting because you've got a big following and you know, it could be a great boost for someone else. And giving feedback too. Like sometimes maybe, maybe you don't 
you see something and you feel like you you know about an area like to me it happens like if there's a friend they're building a business maybe they're sharing their first website i can bring my lens and say hey like here's what we've learned about our website here's what we learned about messaging because maybe i've raised venture capital to invest in people that have taught me things right but maybe they haven't so like just share it like just help them expedite the learning through what you've been able to learn yeah i love that you said that um cuz i think you know, no one wants to confront someone or critique someone or get into an awkward conversation. I mean, but it's so valuable. Um, yeah. We have a strategy that we um, or a saying or a motto philosophy, whatever the buzzword is, that we don't just write a check. Like if we can't write a check and give tough love, it's probably not the right investment for the Walkstar Fund, right? Because there's a lot of great yeah. checks out there. But what we know is really more valuable is that check that tough love, that mentorship, being that big sister to the founders. Um, so I love that you mentioned that as well, because um, that's a great form of investing. And for us, we also, with our fund, we make sure that every vendor, right? So every expense that we have, that we are bringing on vendors that look like us, that have women mm -hmm. of color included on the team, that it's inclusive, right? So every dollar that goes out, whether it goes out as an investment or it goes to pay our bookkeeper or our lawyers, there have to be women of color included in that vendor. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that's our, our form of intentionality. Um, tell me this, uh, you mentioned about Latinx. Has being Latina presented challenges or do you think it's been your superpower? I think it's both. Um, and I'm probably just an optimist by default. <laughs> so I approach life, so I see it as both. But um, the challenges were mostly at the beginning, I think. And, and I talk about this often is the fact that there's there's few of us out there, right? So when you're starting business, a lot of times you depend very heavily on your network. And so if there's few Latinos in venture capital or as founders, and especially women Latinas in that space, um, it was hard for me to find people that looked like me and that could understand my background. like. It wasn't just my case, but also my co-founders. None of us grew up in the U.S. None of us graduated from universities here. And so, like, when, you know, when you don't look like the stereotypical tech founder, or you didn't go to the schools that they are kind of pattern matching to, um, it's hard for them to know, well, where are you studying? Like, is this relevant? Is this a good school? Like, can I trust your background, right? A lot of that was happening initially. Um, it was for, for me, it was basically impossible to raise money from any, any family and friends. Like I just, my family and friends didn't have the means to like, give me money to start a business. Right. So most of that capital came from family and friends of my co-founders. Um, and so a lot of these things, you know, are part, part culture and part kind of situational of our backgrounds where, um, it may be harder and it may be harder if you're going at it alone and we just need to be real about it and we need to be able to talk about it. Um, that was definitely something that maybe was a con of, of the background initially but you need to find ways to to deal with it and i think a lot of it is what you're saying of how many more of us can be out there and how can we start helping each other if we're really conscious that that's what other people like us in earlier stages are going through right um but it has been a pro in, in many many ways i mean i do believe that seeing the world through such diverse eyes and because we have these backgrounds and what we've been through is of immense value and for what i do right for building a brand telling a story choosing who we partner with, what influencers we work with, what athletes, um, how do we approach moments of, of, you know, 
racial movements like what we're going through this year, right? It's very different if the person making the decision at the top of what the brand decides to align themselves with is a person that looks like me and that went through life looking like me and coming from where I come from. So it is a pro. Like I see it as a pro. It adds a lot of richness to what we do. I think you're right. And I also think that there's a lot to unpack too around the fact that, you know, you don't represent the whole race, right? Like there are so many different shared experiences, so many different cultures within the Latin experience, within the, in my case, the Black or the African diaspora experience. And so even unpacking and sort of letting that shine and let that be part of our superpowers and is is also a pro too. Because um, I think oftentimes, you know, others kind of want to put sort of one stroke, you know, brush stroke on it. And that's not the case as well. That's correct. Yeah. And it's kind of on us to share all of that and to unpack it. And you're right to say, hey, like there are differences. In my marriage and my business partnership, we have different cultural backgrounds. And it's so beautiful for me to be able to explain to someone else, here, here, here is Mexico and like, here's how people are different. And here's what, you know, how people grow up and how there's a lot of disparities, but the richness of the culture and how that's different from other cultures in Latin America. And like, it, it's almost for me rediscovering my own self through the eyes of someone else. And, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, very cool. I'm uh, from Northern California. And so I loved in your bio that it said, I think at first it said like San Diego, and then it said Mexico. And it was the sort of, you know, sort of generic. And then it's, and then I saw something else. And it was like Tijuana. I was like, yes, let's order life. Yes, like <laughs> so much different experiences, right? Just in that town versus, yeah. you know, just saying Mexico or Guadalajara or somewhere as well. Yeah. Um, now, listen, you said you don't see a lot of other Latin women entrepreneurs. Is that still the case? I think it, it has definitely grown. I mean, I've been doing the company for six years. So it, there's been a change, definitely. Um, in, in, in tech, there's, there's few of us, right? So the percentage just speaks for themselves, but um, it's growing. And what I think is also happening, I don't know if it's because maybe I'm just seeing it now and I wasn't before, but um, there's much more of a push to really connect with one another, to start forming those relationships and the network that is what in the end is going to be so valuable for all of us. Uh, that is that is definitely changing. And I think it's the work of many amazing women who have been pushing for it um, so that it actually happens because it's not going to happen naturally. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're also very creative in how we build community too. And so it doesn't always exist in some physical space, which in some ways is kind of the way the guys built it, right? When you think about like accelerators and incubators, right? It was like mm -hmm. bros all like getting together in one like, you know, dormitory style housing slash co-working space. Um, and I think for women, we build community and build sisterhood that doesn't always have to be so physically based. And I think that's been this really interesting thing during this COVID pandemic time is that in some ways when I talk to investors and they're like, how are the other companies doing given, you know, the lockdown or, um, you know, sort of the social distancing that's required and, you know, remote working and learning. Um, and the reality is they're doing well because they build communities that aren't always geographically or place-based. Um, so, true. That is true. Yeah. So we're used to this. Hey, what's a not to be a downer, but what was the lowest point for you 
in this whole entrepreneurial journey that you've been on for six years? I think probably what we went through earlier this year, right? And then, I mean, this year for everyone has been tough, but we had to downsize our team. And that's like one of the hardest things to do because you, you, you like the people you hire, you hire them for a reason. Um, but unfortunately, you sometimes need to like make these tough calls because you have to think about it. It's a business and it's not personal. And it was really tough. I think for, for all of us um, in the executive team, it was hard to um, think that we had to do it and how do we approach it and how do we do it in the most human possible way and how do we look up for them for as long as possible. And those are considerations that we had never had to have before. Um, and I'm proud of, of how the team went through it and how the rest of the company um, aligned against what we were going to go through for the next months, right? So then it's hard to turn around to everyone else and say, well, you're still here, but times are still going to be tough. So let's keep pushing. Um, and, and the team really, really shined there. So we're proud of them. Yeah. And how is business? Because you're a, is it fair to say like a high-end luxury product yeah i, mean, I think it's a, i think are. it's a must-have if anyone wants good sleep but uh you know yeah it, it is because in a way it, it's a yeah it's not a 900 800 mattress which is is already for some people expensive right but you can find beds for much less um it's a big investment people spend over three thousand dollars on our website um so business is is good like i think what we were able to do is to just realign on what was the North Star? Like, are we still going to try to spend the same amount on marketing? Or do we need to cut down a little bit? Do we need to refocus our priorities on more profitable sales instead of just growth, right? Questions that I think every business had to make itself this year. And we were pretty successful at selecting a strategy pretty quickly and aligning and changing. And the, the idea was that there was going to be so much um, uncertainty that in times of uncertainty, you want to have as much control of your business as possible and be able to move things around as quickly as possible, have as few commitments um, so that depending on where things go, you can reverse course pretty quickly. And that yield does good results. So we're, we're happy with how the year's going so far. Nice. You're a mentor to a lot of people, but who do you turn to when you need advice? It's changed over time. There's this framework actually that a few, probably a, a month ago or so, I saw um, Kat Cole, who's the CEO and president of Focus Brands, she posted on Twitter this framework that she she talks about um, mentoring moments, which I really liked because that's kind of how I think about mentorship nowadays, that um, it removes the pressure about, from finding someone that is like your go-to and like your mentor that you go to all the time. And instead it focuses on these moments, like who can you learn from at any given time about something that you're looking to improve on or a new skill set or a new project that, or a new decision you need to make in your business. And you go to someone who has been through that before, and then that's a mentoring moment. Um, and some mentoring moments happen with the same person over long periods of time, but sometimes it's just that one moment, right? And like you learn that thing from one person in one conversation, but that's still a form of mentorship. Um, and so to me, it has changed. There have been people that have taught me a lot about how we think about brand and position, about how do we build a team. Um, and I generally try to structure relationships where I talk to them, you know, in a monthly cadence, at least for a year, enough to absorb as much as possible from them. Um, but I know that sometimes then that relationship will, will grow and I'll have to go to someone else for mentorship. Yeah. 
I think that's so beautiful that you said that. I, I think that's what I do, but I didn't have that language for it. Um, but I think I'm that like, I don't know, let's call it mentor in the moment. And I think that's a beautiful thing, right? Like it doesn't have to be this long-term forever. Yeah. It removes the pressure. You know, you don't need to go ask someone, do you want to be my mentor? Nothing. Like it just happens and you save it for yourself. And maybe the other person doesn't even know that they're actually mentoring you in that moment. Right. And so it's just much more organic. There's no pressure, but what I do talk about now with, with my team and my direct reports is you have to be intentional about seeking those mentoring moments, like being open to learning and seeking those learning opportunities is key, especially when you're building a business, but for any professional. So they won't just happen on their own. You need to be thinking, you know, who am I looking to learn something from this week, this month, this year, and then go and make sure that they happen. Yeah. I love that being intentional. And I think intentional and proactive and my team who's um, I'm always saying to them, pick up the phone, pick up the phone. And I know they're looking at me like, ew, like, can I just send them a text or an email? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? One of my mentors, middle uh, senior white guy, um, he said to me, this was just even a couple months ago. He said, listen, if you want to get deals done and if you really want to find out what people think and how to get them to a yes and close the deal or, you know, whatever the thing is, he's like, pick up the damn phone and ask them. He's like, mm -hmm. he's like, listen, the people you were wanting to work with are doing deals. They're not sitting on their emails and their laptops. He's like, so pick up the phone. I'm like, yeah, but it's so old. He's like, it's not old school. Just do it. And you know what? It's been bonkers. Good advice. That's awesome. Now, finding someone's uh, phone number sometime is the weird part. Like, there's this guy I'm trying to get a hold of, but his, he doesn't have a phone number listed anywhere. It's so funny. And I'm like, all right, I got to get a hold of him. I got, like, the quickest of questions for him. But picking up the phone, intentional, proactive, I think that's some really good advice. So thank you for that. Any other cool resources that you could be sharing with our listeners as they're building their company, raising capital? A few that come to mind the first is something that I actually got from one of my investors last year. And he said, you got to get on Twitter. And I had never really used Twitter. Um, but especially if you are um, in the tech space, I'd highly recommend that you do as a founder, because you will see so much happening in there. And there is a lot of opportunity for connecting with people directly on Twitter investors, entrepreneurs, um, and then don't be scared to share your own ideas and your own journey in there. Like another thing that I've learned from this investor is that there's no such thing as tweeting too much. Um, and so it's just, it's been an interesting experience. I've, I've connected with actually many more women entrepreneurs on Twitter than I've done in real life. And I attend a lot of events and <laughs> speak a lot of events and belong to many online platforms and nothing like what has happened there a lot of uh, women investors that I didn't even know were out there, right? And so it has opened a world for me. It wasn't easy because it wasn't necessarily a platform that I was looking to adopt for myself, but it's definitely what I use the most now. Um, and then an another thing for very specific to what I do and brand is there's a book I always recommend. I actually always recommend it in my sessions with We NYC um, from one of my mentors in, in more of like the brand and position inside of things. Um, and it's a book by Andy Cunningham called Get to Aha. If you're building a business, no matter the stage of it, I really recommend that you read it because Andy has uh, shared in this book the frameworks for really finding the 
the the the gist of like what your brand stands for and how do you communicate that and it's so important because then when you're marketing your product or when you're raising money it's all about storytelling and if you don't have that clarity it's going to be really hard to convince anyone to buy your product or to give you investment that's great advice and Listen, I don't want to forget, too, that We NYC has been a big help to you, and now you're a big help to other women that are part of the program. Um, and I told you there's going to be some events coming up at the end of the month, so I want to make Yeah, exciting. there is actually pretty exciting. There's in October 29th, they're doing a conference that's like wrapping up this accelerator program they've been running um, that is called Cipolemos Emprender, so highly invite everyone to check it out. Um, and all the programs that they have in general, I know that what they do goes beyond just events, right? But if, like you were saying at the beginning, if you want legal help, if you want uh, financial help, like they have so many resources that are there for everyone. They're open, they're free. Um, so you might as well make, make use of them. And the people that are running WNYC are so experienced and so competent and such good people that they're really there um, with the best of intentions. Yeah. And they also are so encouraging and helpful in helping people get their MWBE certification, which everyone on this podcast, wherever you are in the world or please, please, please make sure that if that's the certification that you are able to apply for and meet the requirements, please do so because there are lots of companies and people and organizations that are looking to hire and onboard vendors and companies that are minority women and business-led enterprises. Um, I actually got a call of sort of uh, from... We NYC's, I guess, parent or partner organization. I'm going to screw this up, but I'll get it right next time. Uh, Small Business Services. I actually got a call from them um, because I had something funky in my application or something I did online and I, I didn't do it correctly. And they called and like helped walk me through it. And I just thought that was so lovely that here we are in the midst of this pandemic. And yet this administration, We NYC, this agency, right? is really about the work that they say, which is like helping businesses, yep. helping women entrepreneurs that they, ooh, see, pick up the phone. See what we talked about earlier? <laughs> they picked up the phone and called me. See there? Perfect example. <laughs> True. Yeah. But now, listen, you don't get to go away that easily. You know, we have this little pot quiz. <laughs> that True. I'm ready. I'm ready. Favorite Kardashian? Courtney. I love it. You just like went straight there. You didn't even have to think about it. I love it. Law and order or CSI? Uh, CSI. Love and hip hop, basketball wives or real housewives? Basketball wives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Michelle or Barack? It's so hard. I love them both, but I'd probably go with Michelle. You're not alone. Most people have been lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, Serena or Venus? Oh, Serena. I love Serena. Serena is my dream person for eight sleep. So if you're listening, Serena, call me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's get this in her hands. Yes. Beyonce or J-Lo? J-Lo. Nice. But, you know, I'm, I'm Latina. Jayla was our idol. Okay, last one. Um, and particularly, this is appropriate because you, you chose basketball wives earlier. Michael Jordan 
or Magic Johnson? Michael Jordan. Look at you. No hesitation. I love it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, who's going to win the NBA Finals? Which obviously, it's going to be the Lakers. That guy, <laughs> Danny Green, who's the eight sleep ambassador. Hey, 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 now. <laughs> Those could be fighting words for some of our listeners. They got very strong opinions on, <laughs> on their, their teams. <laughs> True. Well, listen, Alex, this has been so lovely talking to you. Um, I'm so glad we're now in each other's orbit. I will be calling you, checking in on you. Um, of course. Uh, love what you're doing. And I love how you are also giving back to other women entrepreneurs, um, particularly those of uh, Latin and Hispanic heritage, um, because it's so important. Like you said at the beginning of this conversation, like we don't see enough of us out there. We're here. We just need to intentionally be supporting one of another. So really happy for yeah. that. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today for a great conversation with Alexander Zadarian, co-founder and CMO of 8sleep. So many useful tips in this episode. Be sure to check out our website for some of the great resources she mentioned, especially the We Connect Mentors Program. As a reminder, this is the first installment of our new series between the Walkstar Fund and the New York City Department of Small Business Services, We NYC Initiative. Check out their website, we.nyc, which is packed with great resources and programming for women entrepreneurs, like their upcoming conference on October 29th. We'll have links to all of this on our website. We hope you will join us for our next episode and be sure to share, subscribe, and like We NYC and VCs Off the Record. Stay fabulous.